The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straub. It is Monday, March 14th, and free agency already underway this week. And we already have some significant news and trades to react to when it comes to what this mean could mean, I should say, for teams in the NFL draft. We'll talk the impact of Tom Brady's return on the draft outlook, some other NFC South draft outlooks, and more. And to do this, I'm joined by Zach Kruger and John Stepowitz. And guys, before we start... March Madness basically is here, right? We have our brackets, and I just wanted to see where you guys are with this because for me, every single year without fail, I pledge to watch more college basketball. This is the year I'm not going to be blindsided by the arrival of the tournament. I'm going to know who the top players are. I'm going to be so well-versed in this. It never happens between NBA and NFL. It just doesn't happen. This year, it's the same deal. I'm about to start scrambling to try to figure out what is going on. Uh, where are you at with all of this, Zach? Uh, I mean, I guess the best way to ask this is, is Jimmer Fredette going to be playing in the tournament? Because if he is, I'll be on board with that. Um, I am not a college or I'm not a college basketball uh, watcher. I'll certainly watch the March Madness tournament in passing. If I'm working, I'll have it on the side. But uh, if Jimmy Fredette's not playing, I don't think he is. I think his time has passed. And I, I, I don't think I'm a college basketball expert at this point in time. <laughs> Fredette actually is a 12th year senior. He has one year of eligibility left. So yeah, yeah. Uh, where, John, what's your What's your March Madness outlook here? I mean, for me, you know, I do pay a little, little more close attention. It, it, it was just such a crazy year. I mean, can Gonzaga win it just just once? Give them one time. They get so close, and then it's just like ugh. I like Chet Holmgren. He's one of the best players in the country. You know what? Let's go Gonzaga this year. I think this is the year, but probably not. Probably not. <laughs> for your just to, to paint a mental picture for you, when he says Chet Holmgren, picture like a seven foot, a hundred and ninety something pound dude who like blocks shots and hits threes. Uh, so that's fun. I see. I also know that Gonzaga has some guy, I believe, who was famous the, uh, recently in a tournament for like a handlebar mustache, if I remember correctly. A uh, Drew Timmy, right? Yes, that's a good old go. Drew Timmy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think we know a lot. We're in good shape here. We're all picking Gonzaga to cut it down. And uh, after that, all bets are off. Maybe I'll do the Drew Timmy if they win. <laughs> now, I like that. I think that's a pledge. And I'll try to grow one, but it, it, I need about a two-month lead time. So it's going to be a race to... A race to get there. All right. 
Today, what we're here to do is look at some recent NFL news, trades, free agency, I don't know, unretirements, and how this impacts the draft outlook for said teams. And a lot of this, for starters, will land in the NFC South, where there's a lot of news. So let's start there. Now, as we all know, Tom Brady unretired on Sunday night, shocking <laughs> some, but at the same time, shocking no one, I think. So as for the Bucks' draft plans, we know there's a hole on their offensive line, right? Because Ali Marpet actually did retire, I think, we think seemingly for good. Uh, but Zach, what do you see Tampa doing early in the draft? Is it the offensive line? Is it patching up a hole there? Or maybe could they try to load up on more skill talent? Yeah, I mean, you 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 know, you started off with Tom Brady unretired. I think retirement was just something he wanted to check off of his things that the greatest quarterbacks of all time tend to do. And then they come back and they have another season or two to offer us. So, right. Exciting that Tom Brady obviously returned. That that's you know really great for the game, and I think everybody involved who loves watching him play. You did point out that Ali Marpet retired. I heard that he is um, not planning on coming back, so he is a permanent retiree. It would appear as of right now, which I think is going to require the Tampa Bay certainly consider addressing some holes at that guard position. I think Zion Johnson of Boston College could be a potential fit. I also think Kenyon Green of Texas A&M could look to fill that as well. Overall, it was actually kind of interesting. I was just looking back on a couple of things. You mentioned that they do need the offensive line addressed, and they allowed a ton of sacks um, during that playoff period. The, the Buccaneers only appeared in two games. Brady got sacked nine times, which is just absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. He was sacked only 22 times in the regular season. So there's some of the work to be done there on the offensive line. Another thing that I think is kind of interesting, which probably won't be a very popular opinion amongst many, is the idea that maybe the Buccaneers actually go with a quarterback at the 27th overall pick. I saw it in a mock draft over on Rotoviz, Travis May. Wow. Had mocked Sam Howell, I believe it was, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that right now, the Buccaneers kind of got a, a slight taste of what life might look like without Tom Brady, the idea of having to start Kyle Trask. I don't know if that's something that yeah. they're going to love to do. Um, now you kind of get a chance to draft the guy at the quarterback position. Maybe it's Sam Howell. Maybe it's someone else who can now work behind Brady, learn from him a little bit, because the Buccaneers are going to be picking probably at the back end of any draft as long as Tom Brady is still starting. So having a chance to maybe groom a first-round talent at the quarterback position behind Brady might not be completely off the table, although I'm sure it's not the most popular opinion when talking about putting together a, a a slew of weapons for Tom Brady to have at his disposal in 2022. You know, that's actually not a bad idea is possibly having that transition to Brady because I mean, I, I, I have the over under of retirements at one and a half. I, I think maybe one more we'll see, but you know, I saw Luke at, uh, Esterling say a couple days ago that they don't want to draft a quarterback. They, you know, because they took uh, Kyle Trask, third round they they want to groom him they've groomed him the last year with tom brady there are a couple needs like you said the offensive line you know zion johnson i love him he has absolutely boosted his draft stock during the senior bowl and and during the combine i think they could go a little later too there's a couple other guys i like i like dylan parham uh coming out of memphis and then i like cole strange out of ut chattanooga those are guys second and third round that they could possibly go they also need uh, someone in the defensive back. The defense, uh, you know, the corners were very shaky last year. I don't think they're going to get Sauce Gardner. They're not going to get Derek Steenley Jr. Maybe Trent McDuffie, depending. I, I know he he's his draft stock has been boosting, but he may be able. Uh, Tampa Bay may be able to get his teammate Kyler Gordon, who again is he's been his draft stock's boosting. He's still a late round pick, but they could go wide receiver. Chris Godwin, franchise tagged. Of course, we know the commitment to a franchise tag 
is about as solid as a Tinder date on a Wednesday afternoon. So <laughs> you've only got him for one year lockdown, and he's coming off an ACL tear. I like Chris Alave of Ohio State. One stat that I looked at, Alave has 24 touchdowns in single coverage, most of any draft-eligible wide receiver. You've got Mike Evans. you got Chris Godwin. Imagine that's a lot of single coverage for Alave, one of the best route runners to me in the draft. That could be a very solid pick down over in the early 20s. Tyler Fornis last week, just on this very show, was singing the praises of Chris Olave, talking about how much he likes him. So it, it kind of sounds, though, Zach, like you guys both lean toward the Bucks. I mean, obviously, with this being a fantasy first podcast, like we all want every team to draft wide receivers or running backs, right? Like that's where we're most interested. But it sounds like we shouldn't necessarily have our hopes up for the Bucks to do that early in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think John certainly made a great point with the with the Chris Godwin injury and that being something that maybe the, the Buccaneers feel they need to supplement early on in the draft by getting a, a talented wide receiver. We also saw what they did last year when, uh, before Antonio Brown decided to go off the rails, they used a lot of three wide receiver sets. Antonio Brown was by all means a very good fantasy wide receiver. So um, trying to essentially run that back with a, a three three elite wide receivers at the top there, I don't think is all that crazy. The only other thing that I thought about when I was when I was going through these notes was the Buccaneers have a lot of edge rushers, it would look like, and some guys along the defensive line who are all set to be free agents and who are all on kind of, I would say, respectfully, the back halves of their career. They're, they're 30 or older. Um, and I think there could be potentially a few edge rushers who may also fall to them who I've seen mocked anywhere from the mid to late um, first round, as well as maybe even the early second round. Two of the ones that crossed my mind was Minnesota's Boye Mafe and Purdue's George Karlaftis, who I recently even saw in the second mm. round of a mock draft earlier today. So I, I'm not really sure what their plans are as far as bringing all these uh, older veteran rushers back, but I think that may also kind of be something that is worth considering addressing in the draft as well if that happens to fall to them. But um, I, I mean, you, you said it first, fantasy first podcast here. If it ends up being three top wide receivers, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about a rookie catching passes from Tom Brady. No, no, absolutely. And one more thing I'll, I'll add too is we forgot to say Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, both free agents. Are they coming back? I, I am one of those. I was a Ronald Jones truther a few years ago. I learned my lesson. Never again. Never again. Leonard Fournette, I think he's going to want something long-term. Do the Bucks want to make that commitment? So we saw Kenny Walker, really good mm -hmm. combine. Brees Hall, really good combine. Numbers compared to Saquon Barkley. Right. NFL next-gen stat in 99th next to Barkley. His draft stock's getting there. Do they go with Brees Hall maybe in that spot or do they wait? Maybe Walker does drop to the second round. You know, we haven't seen Isaiah Spiller yet in his pro day. He was hurt. He got hurt at the combine. He hasn't done his pro day yet. Can they maybe, you know, let's see what happens in that situation. So you have to think about a running back there with that first round pick. Makes sense. And by the way, uh, to the point you made a few minutes ago, John, about one and a half retirements for Brady, the over under there. They say that after the first one, once you scratch that itch one time, mm -hmm. it's a good long while before it comes back. So I, I feel like we have, we, you know, we may have a couple years here before number two happens. We have to 
wait it out. Let's hope Brett Favre doesn't give him a call about that one. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, the latest on Deshaun Watson is that, as has been reported, he will not be facing criminal charges. Now, he could still be suspended by the NFL. We don't know the status there. But there are teams interested in trying to trade for him. One of those teams is the Saints. Now, John, let's say... New Orleans doesn't land Watson. Let's start there. Do you see them trying to get a quarterback in this draft? And they, their first pick, of course, number 18. It also depends, too, on if they re-sign Jameis Winston. Right. I know they, they they are still looking into that. We'll see what happens there. I think with this new with Sean Payton now, I think the whole Taysom Hill experiment is over. I'm believing that Malik Willis is going to be that first quarterback off the mm-hmm. board. If it's not Carolina, then it's definitely Seattle. I, I you know, I don't lock in Drew Locke. I have, as I've been looking at his tape more, I am starting to like Sam Howell. He had a regression year for him last year, but he still threw for 3,056 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, uh, I believe seven interceptions. And we talk about Willis's mobility. Howell only rushed for 50 less yards than Willis, both averaging four and a half uh, rushing yards per carry. Same thing with Corral. Corral uh, rushed for four yards per carry. So we talk about Willis's mobility as like eye-opening Michael Vick-like, but we have plenty of quarterbacks that have that mobility. So if they if New Orleans doesn't get Willis, which they probably won't unless they trade up, they could settle with Corral. I've seen Corral go there a lot in drafts. Same thing with Howe. So I think that they would settle with Corral or Howe at that 18th spot. Yeah, for, for me with the Saints, I, I, I think it's obviously it's going to start with Watson. The question is going to be where is it going to end, whether or not they actually get him or not. I would tend to lean towards the idea that they probably have a plan already kind of in place to bring back Winston just because he's been with them for two years. I also think that new head coach Dennis Allen is kind of in a little bit of a – um, of, a, of a trial mode here in year one. We, we tend to see that head coaches in their first year, they get a little bit of time to kind of lay out some pieces, see what they have, what works and what doesn't, and then retool in year two. Um, the, we, we know that this quarterback class is not particularly strong. We I, There was one NFL assistant in a, uh, in a athletic article published by Bruce Feldman where uh, the assistant said that he doesn't think any quarterback I think is worth a first round pick with the exception of like Malik Willis. So okay. if there's enough people there who have, have kind of that opinion, I could see the Saints opting to go with the the familiar face in Jameis Winston. Um, we, we mentioned earlier too, Taysom Hill's on a contract, not my yeah. ideal quarterback, not the person who I would love to start, but in a year where the Saints are in a tough cap position where they might not get the quarterback who falls mm-hmm. to them, Dennis Allen year one has a chance, I think, to probably you know improve on year two if year one is a little bit of a struggle and he does decide to go with Winston. I think that they would probably stay pat with quarterback. I think they have other needs there. One of the ones I think that they have a really big need for too is wide receiver. We don't even quite know what's happening with Michael Thomas and, and his ankle injury that's been – you know, worked Man. on time and time again. Then after that, you have Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris, neither of whom are equipped to be a top wide receiver on on any NFL offense. Really, all respect to them, I think they're fine players, but but they're they're not going to be that number one target. So, if I were the Saints, if if you have that backup plan in Jameis Winston, if you're able to get him back, if the if the Watson trade doesn't work out, I would retool um, elsewhere. I would go with Jameis if he's willing to come mm-hmm. back and and see what happens now. The downside to that is if Winston goes elsewhere, then then you might you know be up a creek without a paddle. But I, I I would say you know try try to ride it out maybe even with 
as gross as it sounds, someone like Taysom Hill, who has a 7-2 and two record. He's not impressive, but I, I, I think the Saints probably have a little bit of wiggle room here in, in Dennis Allen's first year. Well, so, Zach, to the point you just made, let's say that it does become, you know, a wide receiver does become the focus. Who do you like as a fit there uh, among anyone we haven't mentioned yet? Anyone we haven't mentioned yet, I, I think someone like Jamison Williams is certainly interesting as a field stretcher. I'm not sure that he's going to quite be ready for the start of the year. There was some reports that his rehab is going very well and that he's ahead of schedule, so that always bodes very well. But mm-hmm. not knowing what's going to necessarily happen with Michael Thomas, I don't think they need to go around drafting as if he's going to be there. Jamison Williams still is decent size, good field stretcher. He works well in the intermediate parts of the field as well which I don't think it's talked about quite as much, just given that he is known as such a deep threat. But I, I like Jamison Williams, Alabama, hopefully recovers from this this ACL surgery. And, and I think he'd be a solid pick for the Saints if they're able to get him. They just need that, that top receiver if it's not Michael Thomas. Absolutely. You know, and I was actually going to piggyback off that because Michael Thomas, as you know, is more of a slot receiver, you know, it's shorter routes. Mm-hmm high catch rate so again a Jamison williams or a garrett wilson guys who can stretch the field i think would be a great slot if winston is the quarterback for this upcoming year like you said like Taysom hill has you know a good record but not necessarily the arm that we believe in my hope would be that maybe if they do get a quarterback Taysom could go back to that quarterback tight end mm-hmm. thing we had a, cu- a couple years ago in fantasy. I would love that back. But, yeah, I, I think if w- Winston comes back, you got to look at a Jameson Williams or a Garrett Wilson, a, a bigger guy to complement uh, a slot receiver like Michael Thomas. I keep thinking about, as you guys talk about Taysom Hill, I keep thinking about the fact that Sean Payton gave him that extension and then was like, all right, I'm out of here, uh, you guys. Because they're so tied together, right? It's like coach and quarterback so connected and Sean Payton's like, all right, I'm out of here. You know, By the way, you four more years, it's okay though. You'll be fine. Brutal. <laughs> all right, so we were talking about the Deshaun Watson possibility in New Orleans. Similar situation in Carolina, uh, where, just a note from our research team, by the way, guys, the Panthers have had 11 different quarterbacks start a game since 2018. So, Deshaun Watson rumors there, and Zach, again, I'm going to pose the same question here. Let's say Watson ends up in New Orleans or elsewhere. He's not in Carolina. Do you think this team likely thinks about a quarterback? But, you know, then again, as I say that, they pick sixth. So, would they would they dare take Malik Willis that early, potentially? Like, Can you envision that? I could. I, th- I think this is when I, when I was writing this up, I was kind of weighing things with with desperation mode for each, with each mm-hmm. team. And, and as I just mentioned, I don't think Dennis Allen should feel that he is in too much of a desperation mode in year one with the Saints and all their cap situations. Matt Rule, on the other hand, 10 and 23 over two seasons with the Panthers. He's in absolute desperation mode. Yeah. And the, to go along with that is. Uh, the fact that he went out, he traded for Sam Darnold. It looked good for about three or four weeks, and then all of a sudden it just completely imploded. And now the Panthers are on the hook in 2022 for a massive uh, Sam Darnold salary that I think goes northward of, of about $30 million. So they are not in a very good spot. The one thing that's been talked about with Malik Willis is that he may need to be in a position where he needs to sit in year one um, just from a raw talent standpoint and a guy who maybe hasn't seen quite the competition that some of these other quarterbacks have. If that happens, I think there's a scenario where if they were to go Malik Willis at sixth overall, they don't get Watson, that maybe if the team either looks good enough 
um, and other areas of the field, both but maybe not quarterback, that maybe that buys Matt Rule an extra year because they want to at least give him a chance to see what he can do with this guy. Or even if they play Malik Willis and if the Panthers have a slight improvement from last season, I think that could also buy Matt Rule an extra season just to kind of see what Willis and company look like in year two after taking him. So I could see a situation where they get him. I, I truly believe that Carolina is going to have the pick of any quarterback on the board when their time comes, when their number is called. There's not really a lot of teams up in front of them that need a quarterback. Maybe you make the mm-hmm. case for the New York Giants. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. But if Malik Willis is there, um, even even like a Kenny Pickett type, it wouldn't surprise me to see Carolina go that route. They certainly know that Sam Darnold's not the future. Um, if anything, we love talking about bridge quarterbacks, and that's exactly what Darnold is at this point. He's going to be a bridge quarterback for the Panthers this year or perhaps for another team next season when he's playing elsewhere as a backup. But um, I don't I don't think that at sixth overall, Malik Willis or any quarterback is off the table if they're not able to get Watson. A hundred percent. And that's what you have. And that's the situation we have to look at. Like you said, Dennis Allen. Year one, fine. Matt Rule has not ruled in Carolina. This is probably this is the last chance for him. So I think he does have to go for that home run. He has to try to get that quarterback. And again, at six, unless Houston doesn't believe in in Davis Mills, or like you said, the Giants want to give some competition to Daniel Jones, they will have their pick of whoever they want, and that could be Willis. I know I've seen some mocks where they go cornerback, they go Sauce Gardner, Derek mm-hmm. Steely, and that would be nice with J.C. Horn. That that would be a nice little corner tandem for the future. But again, with Matt Rule's short stick, he may have to go for it. And I don't think you could be confident in Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, if Cam Newton comes back. So if they don't get Deshaun Watson, they have to go for just Matt Rule's sake, has to go with the quarterback. And that could either put him in a position to be the long-term coach of Carolina or it could absolutely be a disaster and set back Carolina for another few years. Next level thinking, though, Zach, what you said a minute ago, I like it. Matt Rule drafts Malik Willis, and it's kind of like, well, we got to have a two-year plan here. We got to see this thing through. You're like buying yourself job security in a weird way with that draft pick potentially. Yeah, and and I, I I'm local to DC. I hear a lot of DC radio, and that was actually kind of the argument always made against the idea of the the commanders, our commanders drafting a, a, a rookie quarterback that maybe needs to sit for a little while is that they think Ron Rivera is kind of in that win now mode too, as he heads into year three and they can't afford to do that, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with, but I guess every front office is different. Um, Carolina's mm-hmm. front office, I believe tends to be a little bit more lenient maybe with their coaches and, and, and giving a little bit more time if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken there. So I think between a perfect blend of desperation, hopefully some understanding on the front office's side, if they're not able to get Watson, then I think that a rookie quarterback would make a lot of sense for Carolina. But I also think that Matt Rule's future is very much hinging on their ability to get to get Watson here. I think he's going to really try to come with his absolute best offer to make this happen. And the fact that they, if they don't get a quarterback in the first round, where are they going to get it? They don't have a second or a third round pick. So it's not like they could go someone in the first and maybe – grab a Ritter or possibly Kenny Pickett later on in the next round. If they're going to get their quarterback, they have to get in the first round. And the thing is, everyone says Willis is the most dynamic, but he's the most raw, talented quarterback, probably the less seasoned. He might be that guy that needs the clipboard for a year in order to maybe Mm -hmm. learn the NFL defense, you know, to learn how to play in the NFL. That could be a problem. So, 
maybe Carolina considers, well, corral later or or how later, draft down, try to get one of those guys, try to get a second and a third round pick, try to build a little more, maybe get enough, maybe get a corner in those with with one of those picks to compare with JC Horn. We'll see. So when it comes to Malik Willis, I, I have to confess I'm a Falcons fan and it would almost make a lot of sense for the Falcons, right, to to take Malik Willis, let him sit for a year behind Matt Ryan. But that almost seems less likely after the news this past weekend that they restructured Matt Ryan's deal for what feels like about the 28th time in the last few years. Um, we know this is a team that has draft needs almost literally everywhere. You could just blanket say that about the Falcons. For fantasy purposes, as we also said earlier, it's more fun to talk skill guys. And this is one case where no doubt the Falcons need some skill players, maybe not in the first round, but early in this draft with a couple second round picks. No Calvin Ridley, we know that. Russell Gage, a free agent. So, John, do you envision Atlanta getting a difference-making receiver early in this draft? And if so, uh, who do you like? And please tell me someone dynamic and intriguing, if you could. Uh, if they do, if they get it at the eight, right now you're looking at a lot of these wide receivers, top 10 maybe, Drake London going 10, Jameson Williams going 10, Traylon Burks. We've seen these guys going 10, 10th, 13th to the Browns, maybe. We haven't seen too many mocks with him going eighth. If they don't sign Allen Robinson through free agency, which is an option, I think they do need to go wide receiver. You need someone to, for Matt Ryan to throw to because, again, as bad as Atlanta has been, Matt Ryan has still been one of the better passing quarterbacks in the lead, still tops in passing yards every single season. But like you said, they need help everywhere. But I do think that they need the wide receiver right now. I Drake London would be a great big man to throw to with Kyle Pitts. Imagine having those two big guys barreling down on you in the secondary. Or if they do want to go a little later on, I like Sky Moore. I like Christian uh, uh, Watson. I like these more speedy mm-hmm. guys for them if they want. It, it, again, if they get Al Robinson free agency, I think they should get a more speedy guy like a more like a like a Watson later on to complement the two bigger route runners in Pitts and London. I agree with a lot of what John said there. I, I think that right now, I, th- I think receivers almost like the, the obvious answer here, you know, for like a team that mm-hmm. you said, Matt, they, they have a lot of needs. I, I, I feel kind of to some degree. I hate to say it. I feel like the Falcons are kind of really going to be retooling for whoever the quarterback of the future is going to be next year. Yeah. The one wide receiver who I actually mocked in a mock draft last week was Chris Olave to the Falcons. Um, as far as size, he's very similar to Calvin Ridley. He has good speed. He ran a 4.39.40 at the Combine, which was, I believe it originally popped as like a 4.26 or a 4.29 or something. And then after the adjustments, people were like, well, he's not quite that fast, but 4.39 <laughs> is still is still plenty fine um, as far as that goes. Olave, he's an 85th percentile breakout age at 19.2. I got that from playerprofiler.com, which we know early breakout ages are always encouraging for future NFL success. I like that. I like that Olave was a three-year producer at Ohio State, even though he never had a 1,000-yard season. He had seasons of 840 yards as a sophomore, 729 in 2020, and then 936 yards and 13 touchdowns in 2021 on a receiving core that was quite loaded at wide receiver with um, also Garrett Wilson and then Mm -hmm. still current Buckeye, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So as far as Olave goes, he produced, I think that he offers a lot of similar things 
that Ridley does as far as ability to play downfield, um, a good right. playmaker, good size. So Olave is who I had going there. Um, if you also remember, he could have actually come out of um, college last year. He chose not to, but his stock, I think you could maybe argue, was higher last year than it was this year in terms of just the wide receiver talent that was coming out. So I think that Olave still has a case to perhaps be the top wide receiver in this class. I believe he was a wide receiver one in my in my mock draft going to the Falcons, which I just think is an absolute necessity at this point in time. Um, because even if they bring back Russell Gates, he's nothing more than a slot receiver. Kyle Pitts, great tight right. end, not somebody who um, is going to be able to do as much as what you would like your prototypical receiver to do, which is why I'd be going with Olave or someone else there. But Olave would be my my personal preference. Falcons are doing that fun thing where they're trying to, you know, rebuild on the fly. That always works really well. I'm sure we're not looking down the barrel of another seven and 10 or eight and nine season. But I do think Olave makes sense, especially because Ridley's strength, right, was that was a guy who could get open at will. Mm -hmm. And that's a good match for Matt Mm -hmm. Ryan, who doesn't is not a big risk taking quarterback. So uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And we have more to come. First, we're going to take a quick break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Literally, while we're on here, guys, speaking of baseball, apparently the Braves traded for Matt Olson. So I'm kind of reeling here as an Atlanta fan. My uh, my entire world has shaken. We're going to try to proceed. We're going to try to focus on football because that's our job here today. And we're finally leaving the NFC South. Let's go to Dallas. Now, the Cowboys traded away Amari Cooper to Cleveland over the weekend. And they gave Michael Gallup a five-year, $62.5 million deal, notably after he tore his ACL in Week 17. So we don't know... If he'll be ready for the season opener, that's an open question. But, Zach, could we see the Cowboys at target a receiver at the top of this draft, potentially? I, a franchise not always known for making the best decisions when it comes to roster management. Uh, if, if you're familiar with the running back named Ezekiel Elliott, he has a contract that is being heavily scrutinized uh, from the time he's right. it up until right sure. now. So uh, the, the Cowboys do not always act, I think, in, in, in the best form when it comes to making the optimal decisions. I personally don't think that they need to go wide receiver here. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have C.D. Lamb. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be bringing Cedric Wilson back or not. He's 
not going to be any kind of staple as a number two wide receiver. But hopefully Michael Gallup is back despite the fact that he injured his ACL and I believe the week or the second to last week of the season. Um, so he, he, he's coming off a late ACL injury. But I like some of these wide receivers who are also going to be mocked um, and uh, not just mocked, but in real life also taken in the second round. One of the guys that really stands out to me is um, South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert, who has excellent size. Um, speed, good playmaking ability. He's someone who I really like who I think could land in the second round while the Cowboys instead could perhaps look to address some defensive needs in the first round because they're going to have a lot of them with several defensive uh, free agents coming up here now. They're probably not going to be Cowboys for much longer. So while I could certainly see them going wide receiver in the first round simply because Dallas sometimes just does what Dallas wants to do regardless of right. of uh, maybe what we think is best, I think that there's enough mm-hmm. second round wide receivers who can properly complement a healthy Michael Gallup, a obviously healthy and hopefully emerging CD Lamb in year three, mm-hmm. that they can go with one of these second round wide receivers and then address a defensive position early on, um, perhaps get an edge rusher with a couple guys, um, set the possibility for free agency. I think that that could be a need in a, in a class that's very rich with edge rushers. Absolutely. I, you know, I, th- there's a lot of different options and we do know what Dallas does in the draft. I actually was kind of thinking of one of those, you know, familiar Dallas draft trends. Remember for like 12, 15, 30 years in a row, they drafted offensive linemen. I think maybe they should go back into that direction. You know, Tyler Biedas, 64.8 PFF grade, nothing too spectacular. While all of his other linemen were in the late 80s, early 90s PFF grade. I like... Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. That's a great interior lineman. Everyone says one of the best centers coming out of the draft this year. That's possibly a great move for him. And like you said, they can go with that wide receiver later on in the draft because you have Gallup as that wide out. You have C.D. Lamb who primarily lines up in the slot. I mean, could they go same thing? Like Calvin Austin, George Pickens. Just because of his ACL tear last year, we haven't really talked about George Mm -hmm. Pickens that much, but he is an absolutely dynamic wide receiver that we're probably going to see still available in day two, and they could go in that direction. So, and like you said, too, they needed, they might need an edge rusher with some of these contracts expiring, you know, again, so they can either go that direction, but I think they might go with Lindenbaum if he's there at, at, at that spot. If I'm not mistaken, when the Cowboys took C.D. Lamb, that was kind of they, they didn't really feel a need there. Right. That was just like, oh, man, C.D. Lamb's on the board. Like that was almost like a fantasy pick by the Cowboys. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, George Pickens, by the way, that's a guy that'd be another nice, another nice ta- target for the Falcons if they do not take a wide receiver in the first round. A guy they could potentially get in the second round. Now. As for the team that landed the aforementioned Amari Cooper, the Browns, they also franchise tagged David Njoku. They also released Jarvis Landry. That news coming out today on Monday. Even so, with all of that, this is still a team with quite a bit of veteran skill talent. So, John, do you think it's a foregone conclusion and given Cleveland's recent draft history that they're going to avoid skill players early on in this draft? I don't think you can at this point. If you believe in Baker Mayfield, which... I don't know anybody else outside, even inside Cleveland, but outside of the Browns organization, you have to just try again to give him weapons. The Odell Beckham thing didn't work. Jarvis Landy did work for a little while. Jarvis Landy is, you know, early on in his career, especially in Miami and early part of the Cleveland was one of the best slot receivers in the league. So now would you have Cooper as that great route runner 
do you go with a Drake London? Do you go with a Jameson Williams? Because at 13, you're gonna have a good, you know, a good selection. I think maybe Drake London might get taken before that. One of those guys are gonna get taken early on, I believe. So you, but you're still gonna have Burks, you're still gonna have Williams, you're you're still gonna have Wilson, even Alave, but you have to go wide receiver. We've seen Baker Mayfield not the most accurate passer. Again, I believe with the way Baker plays. He's, you know, he likes to run out of the pocket. He likes to throw on the run. Give him a bigger target. I think London is probably that best. Uh-huh. As we've seen, Beckham is a route runner, a dynamic, a speedster. Maybe they go in the opposite direction. Get a guy like London who isn't that, yeah. but he's a pretty big target. So maybe that's, you know, it's just like, hey, throw it in this general direction and I'm big enough to catch it. So I think maybe that's the direction they need to go in. I was looking at some articles that were done on a website, NBCSportsEdge.com, by one Kyle Dvorak, um, if you're familiar. Okay. familiar. And, uh, yes, and he had highlighted mm-hmm. a couple of different things that the, uh, that, that, that the Browns are essentially possibly going to be lacking this upcoming season, which some of those were on the defensive side of the ball. Again, um, I know I talked about people lacking on the defensive side of the ball earlier. I'm sure the fantasy footballers hate me. We don't even believe in defense. But... There are a couple of um, edge rushers and and defensive tackles who may not be back with the Browns. Uh, Defensive tackles Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell, and then defensive ends Jadavian Clowney and Tack McKinley, which could be problematic for the Cleveland Browns. The other thing that I think kind of works against the argument of them feeling like they need to go out and get a wide receiver right away is for the last two seasons, the Browns have really not been a team that prioritizes the pass. Um, they, they were second in neutral um, game script in terms of rush rate at 49% last season. They also were 49% rush, rush rate in neutral game scripts in 2020. So they kind of have a, a mold here of wanting to run the ball as much as they possibly can. They still have uh, Nick Chubb. They still have Kareem Hunt. Um, and I, I think that Amari Cooper is at least enough of an excuse to, to fade the wide receiver position in round one if they choose to do so and perhaps address one of these defensive linemen, free agents, who they, they may be losing um, a handful of. The one guy that just kind of stood out to me, um, he's been mocked all over. I'm not sure if he's going to quite make it there, but I think anything's possible. I saw him mocked later than this, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it, but his defensive tackle, uh, Jordan Davis of Georgia, who I don't know if he's necessarily good enough to be considered a generational talent, but from an athletic standpoint, he's certainly enough to be considered a generational athlete. He absolutely destroyed the combine. He had one of the best size adjustment yeah. combines of all time um, just, a, just a week ago. Uh, if, if the need arises where they lose the defensive tackles and happen to have someone like him fall to them, I think maybe you can look at Amari Cooper and say, yeah, you know, we have him. We still need to get better at the receiver position, but running the ball is our game. It's what we've done for the last two years. It's probably what we're going to do in 2022 as well. The wide receiver class is deep enough that we can still find an adequate guy to line up opposite Cooper while also getting one of these defensive linemen who could, you know, end up being one of the best picks of this draft a year or two from now looking back on it. So um, I don't think they necessarily go wide receiver here, but the the argument is there. I just think that with the way they prioritize their offense, I, I think is I, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to go wide receiver. I know Baker Mayfield is going to be wishing for a wide receiver that much. I do now. Uh, <laughs> not looking very good for him. <laughs> As for Jordan Davis, that we talked about last week. That was like a life-changing event. Where were you when Jordan Davis ran his 40? You know, yeah. I'll, I'll always remember the first time I saw that. 
I've also tried to put myself in the mind of a Browns fan. I periodically think about, could there be anything more enraging than seeing Odell Beckham go to the Rams and do what he did? And just like, why could that, that really couldn't work. Like you really can't get Odell Beckham Jr. The, the football. Cause like John, you talked about Drake London's, you know, catch radius and all that, but like, it's not like Odell, is, you know, is just a guy when it comes to going up and getting the ball. As a Giants fan, I will tell you, there's just the stages of grief. I, <laughs> I'm at acceptance, especially during, you know, the Super Bowl. I was just one of those, okay, he got his ring. He deserved it. Yeah. He gave us a couple of good years. So Browns fans, it will be okay. <laughs> All right. On that note, that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. And stay with us on a good football show during a big week of free agency. And keep it tuned to the player news page on NBC Sports Edge. Powered by Roto World. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. Zach, John, thanks to both of you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.